0: Welcome to day 153 of The Story That Changes Everything. Our readings for today are Job chapter 7-9. through 9. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 7 is the second half of Job's response to the speech of Eliphaz. In it, he turns from criticizing his friends for their lack of empathy to reflecting on the difficulties that all humans experience. Job's troubles only typify the plight of all people, Because Job has experienced so much pain, he feels free to let out all his frustrations with God. What more, beside his life, does he have to lose? And losing that now would be a relief. Suppose I have sinned, Job wonders. What difference does that ultimately make in the grand scheme of things? Has puny little Job so harmed God that like the mythological subduing of the great sea monster Leviathan, God must put a guard upon him? And if Job has sinned so greatly, shouldn't God have warned him about that before making so much effort to punish him? Although Job is still willing to listen, if someone will point out where he has gone wrong, he just wishes God would end his life that has been caught up with the suffering of so many other people. Notice that the chapter ends with a parody of Psalm 8. In that great hymn, the psalmist is in awe that amid the vast cosmos, God still pays attention to human beings. Here, Job flips it on his head and would like God to stop paying so much attention to him and just leave him alone for a while. In chapter 8, the second friend Bildad gives his first speech. In essence, Bildad doubles down on the previous speech of Eliphaz. He's a bit shocked by Job's anger at God. In an attempt to defend God's character, Bildad argues that God is absolutely just. The wisdom of the ages verifies this deep truth. And because God is just, every calamity is the result of sin. Job's children must have sinned in ways unknown to Job, but in ways clearly offensive to God. Rather than questioning, Job needs to turn to God, and God will make things right for Job again. However, if he keeps going down this road of rejecting God's purposes, he will die an early death, and no one will remember him. Chapter 9 contains the first half of Job's response. In this chapter, we're introduced to a new turn in Job's remarks. He agrees that God's power and justice are overwhelming, but that being the case, who could ever then stand up to God? But if God is so great and vast, how can human evil affect him or even human good matter to him? Job's convinced of his own righteousness. He just needs to put God on the stand in the courtroom. But how can Job find a courtroom or an arbitrator between himself and God? Notice verses 20 through 24. These are some of the darkest verses in the book. Job accuses God of acting arbitrarily towards humans, and God destroys everyone, he thinks, both the blameless and the wicked, and then laughs cruelly while the innocent die. The text for today reminds me of something I once heard a Jewish rabbi say about prayer. He told a group of us Protestant pastors, You Christians are too nice in your prayer life. We Jews believe God has made promises to us, and we have no problem yelling at God until he makes good on his promises. Job's friends may be offended at Job's anger with God, but God's not offended. God is not only willing to receive our praises and our needs, but also our deepest questions, our great frustrations, and our pain as well. So read Job's laments carefully today. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions And know that God is not offended by your anger, nor perplexed by your questions. Tomorrow, we're reading Job chapters 10 through 12. I'll talk to you tomorrow.